Another day, another 50 cents, another week, then another month. Okay, I got the point. Then another year, maybe. <laughs> McCowan Shannon uh, with you on the uh, Bob McCowan podcast on um, your favorite podcast service or on Sirius XM channel 167. Wow. So we're going to talk hockey. Uh, Mike Zeisberger, Joe Mich- Micheletti will join us. But we would be remiss if we didn't congratulate uh, my new favorite team. That's right. I'm taking full credit for this success, by the way. It wasn't until I jumped on board that Canada had anything you know, the, the remotely turning close point, to this. The turning point, Bob, was our interview with John Hurton. That cold night in Edmonton. That was the turning point. There's no question that you were the catalyst to this amazing victory. Well, I'd already kind of jumped on board, but um, yeah, but you got the you, but you got the you got, got the, the, itch. The, the and you got the word from the man. Yeah, is what you got. So, yeah, well, okay, yeah. You take. By the way, I did get four or five notes last night saying, "I think I saw Bobcat celebrating." No, you didn't. <laughs> well, no, I didn't respond because I didn't see Bob. I wouldn't I, see Bobcat celebrating. I was not there. Um, I was. I was calm, cool, and collected. But it was what I expected. Well, yesterday was, yes. You know, I mean, they, I guess they could have panicked after the Costa Rica experience. They didn't play badly against Costa Rica. They just Costa, Rica put, Costa Rica needed the game worse than Canada did. Yeah. Well, and it was a road game. It was their first loss Yeah. in this whole process of what? How many games did they played? 19 games, 20 games, something like that. I think it's an 18. I think there's 18 because they're 14, one and two right now. And they got one more game against Panama. Well, but then there was the series before that where they yeah. went four and oh, I think. Yeah, so yeah. it's maybe even more right, games maybe, than that. Yeah. Anyway, and they won all four of those. Mm-hmm. Look, um, congratulations to them. Uh, it was um, it was a wonderful experience. And it was great to see the 29,000 and change that were at BMO celebrate well into the night. Not yeah. that we be, should be surprised by that, but there was sort of an inter- sort of an interesting thing that I kept thinking about, and I know you can't answer this question, but since the beginning of time, there have been plenty of immigrants who have come to Canada from Europe and adopted this country, and we've welcomed them. And in many cases, they've tried to assimilate to the Canadian culture, but the one thing they would never give up was their allegiance to the, the soccer team back home. Mm-hmm. Could never really root for Canada. I wonder what this will do to change that, if anything. Do you have an opinion? Well, it, it, usually Canada was their second favorite team. <laughs> there was always, I'm going to cheer for Greece, but then Canada, if Canada's in. Uh now, no Italy in the World Cup. Does that change it with a with a huge uh, Italian uh, population in Canada? Does that uh, change it uh, for for those fans? The one thing I would say is uh, demographically, um, seven and a half million people in the Greater Toronto Area. Now, fifty percent, fifty percent of those people were not born in our country, Bob. Uh, which means it, it, Toronto is is one of the most homogeneous cities in the world. Yep. Uh, and this would be an amazing calling card. This would be an amazing gathering point for the city and for the country um, as far as, as supporting Canada on a stage where so many, so many people around the world 
view the World Cup more importantly than they do, say, the, the Olympics. And so it, I, I, do think it, I do think it will make a difference, tremendous difference. Uh, and, and the other thing is, Bob, uh, the one thing I think we've learned is these, these guys are quite likable. You know, oh, we've, gotten, we've gotten to know them. Uh, likable and bit. super enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. Well, even, even, Alfonso patriotic. Da- even Alfonso Davies uh, on well, social, yes- uh, yeah. social yesterday. He was crying. Oh, yeah. He was crying. I mean, that, hey, that means a lot. That means a lot. These guys are real. They're not, they're not, and they're making, a lot of these guys are making boatloads of money. But they're playing for our country now, and it really means something to them, and that's important. I think I'm right. The draw, the World Cup draw, April first. April first, yeah. Oh, I think it's Friday. Yeah. Um, it will be fascinating to see what kind of draw they get. I mean, yeah. um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. I mean, I don't even know who's in, like Portugal, France, you know, uh, Brazil, yeah. and Canada. You know, some death trap of a draw, but. Whatever the case may be, we'll all be paying attention in um, uh, come November. So, quick, it, quick, quick. It, interesting to see last night during the Academy Awards, which was another story into itself. Um, uh, TSN and CTV are already already had a, a promo made with Canada at the World Cup because they own they the, the the TV rights now change from from uh, one soccer to uh, to TSN. Right, and so they're already promoting it for November. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be something. Uh, Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com. Joe Micheletti of uh, MSG Network. Join us. uh, Some hockey talk this time. Back after these messages. I like to say that we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of the National Hockey League, but we got about 17, 18 games left here. Is this the rush, Shannon? You know, are we are we in that phase yet? You know, I I actually think that it was similar to the trade deadline, Bob. A month before the deadline, everybody was saying, well, when are the trades coming? I just think there's something in all of our hockey biological clocks that says the end of March, the first week of April, the playoffs are going to start soon. And the reality is, with the schedule the way it was built, with the Olympic window put in place, with the COVID postponements, Hockey doesn't end until April 30th. So we're, we're, we're all anticipating at this time of year. Kind of like when you talk about, I love going to the, ma- I love thinking about the Masters and it's the right of spring and playoffs and this and that. Well, ho- hockey doesn't end until the end of April now, not yeah. the beginning of April. Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com, Joe Micheletti of uh, MSG Network joining us to uh, chat a little bit about it. Um, your timing thrown off a little bit by all this, Joe? It was until it uh, until I woke up and it was 22 degrees here in New York this morning and going to Pittsburgh later and it's going to be 13 degrees. Um, that's uh, that's so, Fahrenheit. That's Fahrenheit, so guys. That, yeah. that is Fahrenheit. That's right. <laughs> so that doesn't exactly feel like uh, playoff hockey because it's you know tends to get a little bit warmer. Um, I kind of feel this way though. I mean, it's it really seems like this has been a two year season. <laughs> It just, it just doesn't seem like since COVID started, like the season is really in. We've had so many disruptions, interruptions, postponements, start playing again, you know, play in July, play in August, play in September. This season is going to go until the end of June. Um, so for me, it's just, uh, it's been like one continuous hockey season for for two years. We're gonna and I'll be back- happy when we get back to some sort of normalcy. Well, yeah. I mean, and I assume that will happen next year, Z. Don't, don't you think? 
Well, I first of all, thanks for having me on. And I got to start by saying to my friend, Mr. Micheletti, that uh, mm -hmm. yes, big error for Z right here. Okay. <laughs> I own up to it. I had Panarin and Kreider on the same line, which obviously they are not. Um, <laughs> I would say this, and I know Bob will jump in on this. This is not, and I know it shocks everybody else, the first mistake I've ever made. <laughs> it is in my eyes. Well, thank I've you never, very much. I've never read Bob, care to chip in? You. I've never read anything from you that, that I viewed as a mistake. But you know what? I'll give you the benefit of doubt because they do play in the same power play unit. So, so here, here's the fascination is that Ranger fans on social media would have never forgiven Mike. So <laughs> well, it shows none of them read me. <laughs> oh, they do. But uh, no, to Bob's point, um, you know, when you when you think about it, okay, it's almost three years now since we've actually had a Stanley Cup winner, which is a, which at the time of 2019 was the Saint or the St. Louis Blues hoisted the cup in the middle of June when we're accustomed to see it hoisted. So I don't know what normal is anymore because we went through that summer in the bubble of 2020, and then we had the truncated season squeezed in last year. So um, you know, I mean. Who knows what's going on in the world, guys? I mean, uh, Canada's going to the World Cup of Soccer and Italy isn't. So if that's not a statement that the world is upside down, I don't know what is. Well, um, does, has it changed, though, the way you guys work in any way, shape, or form? Or you just have to adjust, don't you? Z? I mean, for, for me, it's just been uh, it's just been an adjustment because we're still not able to to uh, to go into the locker rooms and actually spend time with with players and try to get other information uh, and stories about about players that we would normally we would normally have the ability to try and to try and get. So from that standpoint, yeah, it's it's still going on. You know, we get to hear a couple of players a day. You know, at a table, uh, and everybody gets that information. So it's a it's still a it's still a big change now. I think if you're Lou Lamorello on the Islanders, you love it because <laughs> Lou, Lou would always love to keep everybody away. So for him, I think it's, it's, uh, it's perfect, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're still going through that, that type of adjustment of, of, of how we, you know, and I go back to when I first started television was with John and, uh, and, and John taught me or tried to teach me how to work and what television was like and what I needed to do. So all those things that I learned early, from John, we go back to the early '90s with the uh, Minnesota Stars or North Star, whoever they were at the time. John, um, Joe. But those 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 things are those things are different now. I mean, it's it's just that 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 type of, of process that I've used, you know, since then. Um, I haven't been able to do the same thing since. Well, do we go back though? Do we see? We've talked about this once or twice, and and never came to a conclusion. Do we wind up going back to the way things were? Or are we now living in a Zoom world, you know, um, Z? Well, I think this is going to be up for debate, Bob, because if you go down and see uh, what's going on in baseball and spring training, um, there's a much more reversion back to the way that it was um, where got, you're able to go and talk to guys. I'm not sure if it's the way complete where you can just saddle up to somebody in the clubhouse 
something like that. But I do think I do think there is a push to kind of get it towards uh, the way that it was. And it does make uh, your job more difficult. I mean, Joe and I, I consider both Joe and I storytellers. He does it verbally. I do it in print uh, or, you know, uh, digitally, however you want to however you want to frame it. It is more difficult to tell the stories that you want to tell if if the information has been homogenized so that everybody is getting the same stuff. And, and you know, I, I can't speak for Joe, but part of the, the stuff that I've loved about my job for over 30 years is being a, not standing in a scrum, not because you're able to be at a, at a venue, but it's being able to saddle up uh, to a guy and, and, and get to know more, you know, or whatever athlete, male, female, whatever, and get getting to um, know them a little better and get them to tell their story, stories which maybe people haven't seen before. So that's the difficulty of it. And just a quick note on Lou Lamorello. I mean, I call him a friend because uh, he was one of the first people to reach out to me when my father died, and he was very, very supportive. Having said that, um, I don't think if Lou had his way, Shannon's cameras would have never, ever gotten into the dressing rooms. And they're damn lucky that they even got into the arena. Yeah. Listen, for the record, Lou would do anything that was contractually obligated. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, nothing, nothing more. But, right. but if, 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 you, if you phone Lou and say, hey, Lou, listen, we, uh, we need that camera in the dressing room. And he would say, well, is it in the contract? It's, yes, yes, it is. Lou says, okay. <laughs> That's a, then they, we'd like to do a player interview. Is it in the contract? No, it's not. Well, then you're not getting it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll follow up. I'll follow up one more on Lou. Cause I say that I, I say that about Lou and his organization uh, tongue in cheek. And right. you're right about the rules and what he has to follow and what he doesn't. And he does. But if Lou likes you and respects you, you can call Lou any time of the day yep. or night and say, Lou, I need some help with something. He'd say, what can I do? Yeah. And that's and that's the way he is. He's a he's a fabulous person uh, from that standpoint. But you better if you work for him, you better abide by what he it's, says. It, it's, it's funny you say that, Joe, because I, I would tell you in the first six or eight months of the pandemic, when hockey was down and uh, nobody was really doing anything or you were living in your house, maybe you got to walk the dog. Uh, there were there were a few guys that would always touch base. There was a few guys that would make the phone call or or even the Zoom call or the FaceTime. And Lou Lamorello was one of them. Mm-hmm. And he would just check in saying, hey, how you doing? Uh, or you'd, you'd say, uh, hey, Joe, you, uh, hey, hey, Lou, you got time to talk? And, and he, next thing you know, he's FaceTiming you. So he, he, you're right. And, yeah. and Bob's, Bob's felt that. He's been very loyal to us over the years as well between the radio show and this show. Um, he's, he's a fascinating character. That's what he, he is. is. He's, he's, he is. He's, he's old school in so many ways and loyal which is very old school in our business these days. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, he's, he's always enjoyable to be around, but rules are rules. I will talk to you, Michael, about anything that you would like to talk about that doesn't involve my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed the producer has not bothered Mr. Lamorello of late to discuss his team, Uh-oh. perhaps out of some fear that he may um, uh, be out of control. <laughs> No, no. Who, the producer? Or yeah, well, the producer's always out of control. I just meant Lou. <laughs> uh, can't be particularly happy with the way his team has performed this year. 
Well, let's talk about that other NY team um, that, uh, that Joe spends a lot of time around, the uh, Rangers. Um, are, you, are you surprised by how, how good this team actually is? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I would say this, Bob, that going into the season – and thinking about what had transpired over the last number of years with the letter going back three, four years ago and the influx of young players and, uh, and the growth of what you would consider your top-end players, uh, I would say I, I thought to myself, this team's got a chance to make the playoffs. And we knew Shesterkin was good. I didn't know he was this good. And because early on, with a new coaching staff, an influx of some new players, and they change, you know, they've got, they, they, they kind of changed the mix a little bit. So they got more of a, uh, of a grinding, tougher team. And, uh, and with the new coaching staff, uh, the early part of this season was horrendous from a defensive standpoint, great from a win loss standpoint. And the reason for that was their goalie. He has been all world, all season. He won so many games on his own, especially early. And it took them some time to put their defensive system in place. And, and what's happened is their high-end players have been awesome all year. I mean, Chris Kreider has gone from being a good player to a great player. Every game he is, um, he's a factor. And you could, you, there were, you know, through his career, he would have stretches of, four, six weeks where he'd say, where's Chris? Don't even notice him on the ice. Completely opposite this year. And is it growth? Is it maturity? I think it's a little bit of everything. Players he plays with. Um, I I just think Gerard Gallant is the most unique coach in the National Hockey League with the way he handles things. And so, uh, and then the growth of the kids. You know, Keandre Miller just turned 22. He's taken another step. You know, Fox, he's only 24. Lafreniere's 20, Capo uh, Caco's 20. You know, so these kids are coming along and they're allowed to come along and grow because, uh, because of the way these high-end players have played for the Rangers. So it's, been a, it's just been a really enjoyable, fun team to be around. So, guys, when we, when we look at a playoff, we used to look at playoff teams and, and, and the teams that would always catch your eye at, the, at or near the end of the regular season were teams that had solid goaltending, um, could keep the biscuit out of the basket, could play defense and had a physical presence mm-hmm. because those are the things that we, we believed were enhanced during the playoffs and became much more important at that time than the 82 game regular season. Are the Rangers a team that can do all those things? Well, let me go away from Joe for a second, just from an, from an outside point of view, Z. Well, I think they are Bob. And I thought Joe made a couple of great points. Number one, can we all agree that wherever Gerard Gallant goes, his team will win? I mean, you know, we seem to we seem to have this image, or at least the public does, when they think of Gerard Gallant, of him having to stand in that loading dock in Carolina when Florida had dismissed him. So he allegedly had to get his own cab to the airport or back to the hotel. But he did a great job in Florida. He did a great job in Vegas. I'm not sure what happened in Vegas. They're like, uh, you know, contradiction in philosophies. But look, they were winning. They went to the Stanley Cup under him in their first year. And then, uh, you know, look what he's doing with the Rangers. 
And the other thing, when I look at the Rangers, to Joe's point, um, when you have a draft pick like Lafreniere, first overall, like a Kako, second overall, um, a lot of teams now, it's like, okay, we got you. You're into the lineup. And, you know, um, a kid like Kako, who I, I still think has great raw ability, but has struggled with injuries and, and struggled at times. And you wonder if people are going to give up on him. You, you, you really hope you, they don't um, because he's still so young. These guys have been allowed to develop. Um, now, moving forward uh, with the Rangers, I, I just think when I look at that team, um, the guy between the pipes gives them a chance to win. And we've seen teams that are less experienced, uh, lower seeds in the playoffs, manage to get through a couple of rounds because their goaltending stands, goaltender stands on their on his head. The Rangers have that. Um, you know, uh, the point what goes again um, a little bit uh, beneath all the publicity is the fact that what a great job they did uh, bringing Adam Fox in um, because he's just he's just exploded. Um, and you know what? I, the last thing I would say is. Let's get let's give some credit here to Jeff Gordon. I know that he was, you know, a year ago he got let go from the job, but Jeff Gordon put a lot of the foundational pieces in for this team. And I know he's in Montreal now, but he deserves a hell of a lot of credit uh, for laying the foundation for this team. Well, there's not not only guys that are recent, but you know that was the group uh, that brought in Artemi Panarin. Yep, who I think Joe will identify has played pretty darn well. Jacob Truba who a little before that, who has matured into a pretty good hockey yeah. player as well. There's so, there was some foundation pieces that now with all the young guys aren't getting near the attention, but are good, solid veteran players that have helped this team really become a factor in the East. Right, Joe? Yeah. I, you know, the, I go back about three months and uh, for Gerard, for Gerard's press conferences, his pressers on a daily basis, he kept, he kept, he, he continued to get asked these questions. How come Kako's not producing more? How come Lafreniere is not producing more? What about Keandre Miller? What about, you know, and he finally just said, you know, what's wrong with you people? These are kids. They're kids. They're good players. They're making mistakes. I don't bench them when they make mistakes. I let them grow. And the example that, I, that I've used, and there's, there's many, of course, but when the Rangers, and this was Jeff Gorton, and, and you're absolutely right, Z, about what Jeff Gorton uh, and, how, and how he helped build this organization. But the Rangers made a trade for a former first-round pick that I believe was fifth overall, um, and they were able to get him because his production wasn't what everyone thought it should be. And he was 23 years old at the time when the Rangers made the trade. And that was Mika Zibanejad. Right. Yep. He was, he, you know, so, so we have to be, and I, and I, and I give Chris Drury a lot of credit for this too. And Jeff uh, prior to that, for just being patient enough to let these kids grow yep. and give them a chance. And, and, and like, and that's one of the strengths of Gerard is to put these kids back out there when they make a mistake. Don't worry about making a mistake. As long as you work, try, and you want to train, and you're working to improve every day, we're going to keep giving you the opportunity. And that's what they've done. And so we've, you know, so here in New York, we've seen the growth of, of these kids. 
And uh, and I'm I'm with Uzi. I think Capo Caco is going to be a heck of a player. I think he's going to come back and give them a big boost. He'll probably be back in a few weeks. So yeah. Um. So that so that's part of this whole thing. You know, one other quick story about Gerard Gallant, which makes him so unique, is that you know how often do we see coaches in a lot of different sports? New coaches come in, and in the summer they start traveling around. They got to go meet with all the players, right? Go to Europe, meet with your European players. Go to Canada, go to the U.S., go all over the place sit down and have these meetings. So when Gerard got here this summer and right, right at training camp, I said to him, I said, uh, so did you make the, make the tour and go visit? Nah. I said, really? He said, I'll, I'll get to know him on the bench once we start the preseason games. And that's him. I mean, that's what he does. He, he gives trust and uh, he, allows, he allows the players to run the locker room. And he's there to manage everything and keep things. He's like the, you know, the, the maestro, you know, he's, he's there just to kind of keep things in order. And when he has to do something, he does it. When he needs a meeting, he calls a meeting. He doesn't have too many of them. He doesn't have too many video sessions when he thinks they need them. And that's what makes a, a part of him such a unique uh, uh, personality. I also think at the deadline, they went and got uh, two players in Cop and Mott uh, that can really help their depth. I mean, Andrew Kopp uh, and Andrew Kopp is a really good hockey player. Yeah, he is. and because he played in Winnipeg, people didn't really see him that much. And, yeah, right. And, and then to be able to get some depth like Vitrano and and Braun, I mean, Chris did some uh, Chris did some some smart things. And I actually went on and uh, on a couple of places said the Rangers won the deadline because of it. Yeah, I, I, John, I I agree with you. Uh, and they didn't, and Chris didn't give up much. No. I mean, they, they still have uh, a plethora of good players that other teams want that aren't, that aren't here yet. And so he was, uh, Morgan Barron was the only player that they, that they lost off the roster. And, uh, and I don't mean to demean him. I don't at all. He's a good kid and, and, uh, uh, and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll probably help uh, Winnipeg, but um he was able to give up draft picks and all season long, this has been a team of where are you going to get more scoring on your third and fourth lines, yeah. some depth scoring. So they, I think they've accomplished that by the moves they made. Um, in a word, I don't want to dwell on the Rangers, but maybe a last question. Uh, might they be too young? Uh, yes. Yes, they might be because as you guys know, uh, when the playoffs start, and I can, I, and I, I'll, I'll never forget this as a player. The first time you step on the ice in a, in an NHL playoff game, it's a feeling you've never had before in your life. Not in any other championships that you've participated in, in one uh, or lost. It's a whole new experience, and it's a whole different level of play. So based on, on that, Bob, yeah, you're right. You've got the young Schneider kid who's 20 years old on defense. It's going to be a star. And then you've got, again, Millers and, and the other 20, 21, 22-year-olds that are, that are there. So that could, that, that could certainly affect them, yes. Um, with uh, Mike Zeisberger, Joe Micheletti, we'll uh, take a quick break and come back and chat about some other teams um, en route to the postseason and maybe to a Stanley Cup. Come back after these messages. McCowan and Shannon Zeisberger Micheletti with you as we uh, talk about the National Hockey League. 17, 18 games left to go. Well, we've spent a fair bit of time in the East, and I want to stay there because um, there is real debate about 
who the cream of the crop is uh, here. You've got seven teams that can make an argument uh, for being as good as anybody else. And I'm, I'm dismissing Washington, who aren't that far behind. Uh, and it looks like Florida and Carolina are at the top of the food chain. They are statistically. But who's the, who's the team that scares you the most? Who's the team that, you know, I mean, you don't want to play because you know that they, they, can, they can get it done? Z, to you first. For me, it's still Tampa. I mean, uh, and, and the, here, here's the reason, Bob. People will say, well, you know, teams haven't won back-to-back, let alone win three straight. Well, that's true. Um, on the other hand, as we began this show with, we talked about the truncated seasons that they've had, okay? They haven't played 82-game schedules the last, the last two years. Um, they got time off before the first one in 2020 uh, because of COVID. Um, so the, the league shut down for three, three and a half months until the playoffs started. And then last year was a shortened season. The first time they won the cup, they did it pretty much without Steven Stamkos. The second time they won the cup, they did it for most of the season without Kucherov. So, you know, I, I mean, it, it's funny because we're, you know, another thing uh, about this time of the season is people start talking about awards. And, you know, Roman Yossi, and very well so, uh, is getting a lot of Norris love, uh, and so is Kale McCarr. If you start a playoff series right now, I want Victor Hedman on my back end more than anybody else because he controls games. Whether And that doesn't just mean going fast, Bob. That means he can slow it up and create the pace of the game the way that he wants it dictated. Um, I, I just love this Tampa team. I, I, I think that John Cooper, uh, along with Mike Sullivan, uh, are the two best coaches in the league, although I got to give some love to what Daryl Sutter's doing out in Calgary. But to me, uh, and, and some of the, some of the additions uh, that they made at the trade deadline to rebuild that third line, um, you got Corey Perry, you got Maroon there that can go into the corners and grind when the playoffs start. Um, you know, I know, I know Florida, Florida and Carolina seem to be the shiny new cars that everybody wants to wants to drive and stuff like that. I'll go back to Tampa because they they have the skill um, and they have the pedigree. And I, I just don't think that the argument that, well, they played a lot of hockey in the last two, three years holds up because, no, they haven't because the schedule hasn't been as long as it usually is. Joe, what do you like? Uh, I agree with Z, actually. And, uh, and as we all know, I mean, it always, I mean, so much of the time it comes down to which team can stay healthy, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a top team, you know, McDonough's out right now. He, if, if they would lose McDonough, that totally changes. Yeah. Uh, I think the way I would feel about, uh, about Tampa Bay. Um, so if you're thinking that Florida and Tampa Bay are the two teams and, and, and I agree that, that Carolina, I think when you analyze them, I think there's, there's, there are people out there that feel that if you play Carolina, you have to bump them. Are they, are they going to be physically able enough to withstand that type of series? And, and granted, you, you give them props because they've, they've gotten close the last, the last few seasons. 
Their goaltending is good. They don't give up many shots. Uh, tremendous team, but can they withstand uh, the physical rigors of winning a cup? So that would be the, 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 the one area that, that I would think about. The, if it came down to Tampa and Florida, I look at the goaltending and I say, I will take Andre Vasilevsky. I'll yep. just take him because when it's time to win a game, he wins a game. Mm-hmm. And I can't say this. I can't say the, the same things and feel the same way about Bobrovsky and the Spencer Knight experience enough to step in if he has to and do it. I mean, you know, they almost won last year, but they had to use three goalies in the first round and losing to, uh, to, to Tampa Bay. Right. So if it came down to that Vasilevsky until he is dethroned and there's a few goaltenders, Igor Shosturk and other Rangers is trying to dethrone him. And, and so is uh, Anderson in Carolina. Uh, but he's not dethroned yet. And if you, if you need to win a game and pick a goaltender to win a game, he's my guy. So uh, I agree with all the other things that Z was saying, but, the, but when it comes right down to a goaltender needing to win a game, he's, he would be the, 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 the one goalie that I would say, I'll put my money on him. The fascination about the East is that we're going to lose four good teams in the first round. We know mm-hmm. it. It's a reality. And, you know, the Rangers are going to play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh Pittsburgh scored 11 yesterday, albeit, you know, it was against the Detroit Red Wings. But, but I don't know how you can discount the way this team has played this year. I was year. just going to go that route. Yeah. You, you know, they are, I mean, Malkin is now healthy and back. Uh, Crosby um, <laughs> has Crosby. Uh, Ricard Raquel coming in there is a great pickup yeah, as a I- top six forward. If their defense can stay healthy, is, I mean, I, Brian Dumoulin, I don't know, he, he they, sh- they should give a purple heart to Brian Dumoulin every year. Um, but Pittsburgh's to me is the team that every, every, we're all, because we're all talking Tampa, we're all looking at Florida. No one is talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. No one. Oh, John, how many, how many people are talking about Sidney Crosby? The guy's getting over a point a game. Oh, I know. He's going to be second all time because I believe last yesterday he, he, uh, he guaranteed that he will be a point per more than a point per game player this season. Um, and we don't talk about him because like, it's like in other news, Sidney Crosby is good. No, Sidney Crosby is great. And when we talk about pedigree, what about this team? And by the way, for, for, for Bob and Shani, how about your buddy Berkey? How many times has, has Berkey told the three of us, you know, this trade deadline, it's the most, you know, there's no day in the entire year where a player is more overvalued. And he actually said it two hours before he made the Raquel trade, which I believe is the, uh, you know, one of the better moves of trade deadline day. So leave it to Berkey to say one thing and then boom, do something else. But I, I like that Penguins team a lot. And uh, you know what? You got to know. I mean, in, in all the years of, of covering sports, Sidney Crosby may be the most competitive person that I have ever met in sports. And you know behind the scenes, because Sid always says the right thing in front of the cameras. He's telling them, boys, nobody's talking about us. Let's make sure that they do. Well, it's true. It's true that nobody is talking about them. And, and another team that nobody seems to be talking about is the Boston Bruins. Yep. Who are right there. And, um, 
you know, it's easy to look at Pittsburgh and Boston and say they're yesterday's newspaper. They can't possibly be as good as they have been in the past. Um, they're, they're on the downside, and I think they are, but they're still damn good. Yep. And I, I wouldn't discount them either in, in pulling off an upset or two or three. Disagreements? Anybody? No, no, not at all. In fact, when you, when you talk about Sidney Crosby in that light, and I've said this before, I think there's only a player or two or three that can, that can win a, a, a game without touching the puck. And Sid is one of those. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Patrice Bergeron is one of those. Yeah. Um, and and they, they bring a certain level uh, that is so much higher, a standard that's so much higher than most other teams and franchises in the league that you can't count it out. And you're right, a point of game for, for Sid, this will be 16 consecutive seasons. And yeah. he's been in the league. This is his 16th year. 16 consecutive seasons that Sid ends up averaging a point a game or more. And only 99 did that. And uh, so that, again, his, his, his competitiveness and willing to win. And Bergeron's the same way. Yep. I, think, I, I think when you look at both of, those, both of those teams right now, and maybe the reason why people aren't talking about them as, enough, uh, as much as, as we all should, it's because people keep thinking, not sure about their goaltending. These are, yeah. you know, it's like anything, though. You, you have to have that first chance to, you know, and Tristan Jari has come back and had a remarkable regular season, but people say is, you know, can he do it in the playoffs? You know, he, had the, he didn't play great last year. Can he do it in the playoffs? And I think for the, for the Bruins, uh, they're thinking this, the same thing. Can these two guys uh, bring them to where they need to be? But uh, as far as the way the franchises compete and the level yeah. that you have to play at and think at and, and, and uh, not many better for mm-hmm. sure. Well, and then when, when you consider also too, it was another duck that went to Boston and Harris right. Lindholm. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's going to play alongside Charlie McAvoy. Right. Uh, and you know, it, might that be the best defensive pairing in the hockey, even though they've only played three games together? Well, I mean, okay. My goodness gracious. Look at kudos to Don Sweeney for pulling that off. And, uh, you know, Don's not always the most quotable guy, but he had a great quote last week where, you know, he admitted that between Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman, um, his goaltending, his goaltenders have yet to make one single postseason appearance in Stanley Cup playoff history. And his remark was, well, let's saddle up and go. And <laughs> that's what they do. And I just want to add something about the Bruins. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh sullivan and cooper as being elite coaches um I well, you're really gonna get a, are you gonna get a text from bruce cassidy saying you didn't mention him what is going he, on I, here i think you were gonna get a text one. oh you have might you have got watched a text. him coach shanny <laughs> have you watched him coach and by the way yes i covered him as a player when i was at carlton for the ottawa 67 show us your damn text. good then and he was damn good now. And I'll tell you another thing, Shani, just to just to back up my point, seeing as you've opened this Pandora's box like you usually do. Um, I had a chance a couple of years ago to sit with the legendary Brian Kilray, who was uh, nice enough to open up his, uh, his home to me. And we watched a Bruins game. And he broke down the way that, that Bruce Cassidy coached. And he was very, very impressed. And he was so impressed that over the course of three hours, not once did he utter a curse word. And anybody that knows Killer <laughs> knows that that is very, very rare. So 
But if he gets, if, 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 look, if, if Bruce Cassidy gets an endorsement from Brian Kilray, he gets one from me. So, and yes, Shani, I will mention <laughs> in my text to Bruce <laughs> that you were derogatory to him. No, no, I, wa- no, I wasn't derogatory to him. You just forgot to mention him. Brian yes, Mike Sullivan and John Cooper. Yeah. So obviously he's not in your top two. <laughs> or three, because he mentioned Gerald Sutter. Oh, so and, and, go, and, we all, and we all voted for Gerald Gallant. So now all of a sudden, Cassidy's five. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, you may, you're not going to get a Christmas card this year. Wow. That'll continue the streak. <laughs> Here's what Turn we know. Turn your about. phone off. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what we know about the East. Um, you're going to have four first round series and, and I don't know, I don't know how you categorize any of them as a real upset. Um, no, there you got eight teams. If you throw Washington in there and they're not that far behind everybody else, no. um, any, anybody can come out of there in the West. It's uh, very much different. We still don't have playoff teams. We don't know who's all going to make it in. Um, Colorado has been shockingly, the people's choice at the beginning of the year, and they're finally living up to it. Um, and Calgary has been surprisingly good. Oh. And then, then you got a whole bunch of others. Minnesota may have elevated themselves into a, a legitimate position. Um, is this, is this Colorado team ready to climb the mountain or do they still have a missing piece, which would be in goal? Um, Joe, I, I think uh, what you just said, Bob, is is the is is the one question mark that they have. I like I like what Joe Sackick and his group did at the, the deadline. Uh, they added a little bit more toughness and a little bit more grind to their game, a little bit more depth, which uh, which I which they knew. And he said, you know, uh, it came about last year. They realized that they needed that. Um, for the for for Darcy Kemper and uh, and uh, uh, Francis, yeah. uh, you know it's it, it, it's again when you haven't been there and you haven't done it, you always have that question mark. Right. And so, um, you know they've they've had some they've had some wonderful seasons in goal. Now they now they just and, and I think I think as of as of late they've been better. And, and I think that they feel that that pressure and want to prove something. So uh, I think they have everything except, uh, again, the, the one question mark is in goal. Z? Well, I mean, well, what you're saying is, okay, there's a question mark with Kemper. He hasn't won anything. Um, well, we mentioned Carolina earlier in the show. What has Freddie Anderson won in the postseason? Yeah, nothing. So I, I don't – all this stuff about Kemper, and I, I've I've heard it like all season, and I was surprised when there was talk that they're going to go after a goaltender um, at the trade deadline because if it's not Mark Andre Fleury, who's better than Darcy Kemper? I think he's an upgrade from Grubauer, mm-hmm. um, and I think we're seeing that a little bit in Seattle now. Obviously, yes, I know it's two different teams, apples and oranges, but. Look at his save percentage. I mean, it's nowhere near what it was in Colorado. I think the issue more for Colorado is something that we see here in Toronto. Um, When are their big players going to step up at crunch time to take them to the next step? Because as great as Colorado has been, and, you know, some of us have 
continuously pick them to go to the final the past few years without success. They've only won one series per year. They haven't been able to get past the second round, just like the Maple Leafs haven't been able to get past the first round. And it's about time in these game sevens in the crunch time, like, yeah, that's great that McKinnon and McCarr and, and Landeskog, and, and don't even get me started on Kadri. I mean, he's been suspended three times in the past four playoff seasons. So um, what he does in the regular season is irrelevant to me as long as he keeps his act together in the postseason. But, um, you know, it's time for their big guys to answer the call when it's crunch time. And winning one series per, per playoff year, to me, is an underachievement for a team that, on paper, is the most talented in this league. Now, as the great Pat Quinn, may he rest in peace, once said, you know what you do with paper? You wrap things in it, and you, uh, well, I won't go any further, but you get the drift. <laughs> the, the, the fascination to me about Colorado is right now they're without Gabriel Landeskog. Um, they're going to, that's their, ver this is their version of playing the cap game. So he'll, he'll show up in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and, and whether the team can actually elevate to that level, yeah. that really, that really is the story. Cause I mean, um, like Minnesota, they, Minnesota beat them last night on Sunday night and, and Minnesota sent them a message saying, don't piss around with us. We're going to be tougher than you. We, we did, but they are, they're going to be yeah. tougher them there. And, and there's, cause that, what, that's, what's happening in the West a lot more is their teams sending messages. Now Calgary was Calgary did nothing more than send a message to Edmonton Saturday night mm -hmm. was saying, and listen, you may, you may have two of the greatest players in the game today, but you know what? We're a better team and we're going to be more physical than you. And, and we got John, better goaltending. Let, let, let's, let's put St. Louis into the mix because when they play North South instead of East West, yeah, as we saw in, when they won the Stanley Cup, when they play East South or sorry North South and play that physical game, yeah, East South. That's yeah, that's, that's my that's, GPS, that's good. right? That's good. That's good. Uh, when when they play North that's Colorado. South, I watched them. I watched them uh, during their Stanley Cup run, grind in succession. John Klingberg, Eric Carlson, and 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 Krug and McAvoy. Right. Um. To by the time the each of those series was over, those guys were banged, beaten, and bruised up. And and like you say, Minnesota, Calgary, St. Louis, that's the way those teams play, and that's kind of the kryptonite to a team like Colorado. Yeah. And the guys like Bill, I tell you, I give Billy Guerin some credit. He knows how to win championships. Daryl Sutter knows how to win championships, and obviously Craig Berube does now too. So those are the teams in the West to me that you, you have to watch. St. Louis has got to get their act together. There's yeah. something there's something wrong, with, whether it's in the in goal, because if they if they had a playoff series to start right now in St. Louis, Billy Husso would start. Yep. Yeah. Billy Husso would start in goal, not Bennington. Uh, but there's something there's something missing in St. Louis right now, and I don't know what it is. Uh, and their record kind of indicates there's something missing. And I kind of look at, I, I kind of just getting back to Colorado for a second. I, I view them as the Tampa Bay Lightning of a few years ago. Uh, so talented, but then the light went off when they got swept by Columbus in the first mm -hmm. round. <clears throat> that they needed to change something. And they needed not to just make changes, but change a mentality of how you have to play and learning how to win games. And and has Colorado learned that? 
have they learned that you got to defend, you got to sometimes get rid of the puck and make the smart plays and play that type of team game. And I think, I think Joe Sackick tried to change some of that with, with some of his additions at the deadline, yeah. get, get a little bit more depth on those, on those bottom lines to try and play that way. And the question is, have they, have they learned like Tampa Bay learned to have to make a switch in style uh, in order to win in the playoffs? Well, they may, they may remind <laughs> you of Tampa Bay. That would be optimistic. Or they, they remind me more of San Jose, which would be a lot more pessimistic. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because San Jose never figured it out. They yep. had t- no. tons of talent. Were a pick every year mm-hmm. for years and years and years, and never got over that hump. Never. I'm never, just more optimistic than you, Bob. I, well, I like to look. At most the- people are. Oh. <laughs> um, if you had to pick a Stanley Cup winner right now, are you guys all going Tampa Bay? I am. Yeah. 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 I am. Yep. I have Danny? at the beginning of the season. I'm going to stick with it. Shannon. Uh, it's tough to vote against them. When you look, you know, strength, everybody talks about strength down the middle. You look at their centers, you look at their defense, you look at their goaltending. You know, 3P does not under, out of the question. Yeah. Well, health is going to be the issue, right? Yeah. Uh, right. For, for all these teams. If you, if you lose a key player for the playoffs, uh, your fortunes probably will change, but we will find out in due time. Guys, we must off. Time is our enemy. We thank you for yours. And, um, uh, stay, stay well, watch the last 18 games of each team. And, um, hopefully we'll uh, reconvene at some point near or at the beginning of the playoffs. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you very you much. Guys. John, thanks everybody. Joe, back always after. great seeing you. See you down the road. We'll be yeah. back after these messages. And we're back. We uh, thank, uh, Mike Zeisberger and Joe Micheletti for uh, joining us on the program. Anything else in the last 60 seconds or so to opine on Mr. Shannon? <laughs> it was amazing. Both you and I were thinking about the same team, though, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because I, I just, I, I think Pittsburgh could be, this could be their year again. It really could. I, I like them. I like the way they're playing the game right now. And it's not just Sid and Malkin. They're deep. You know, Jake Gensel's had a hell of a year. You know, Chris Letang's had a hell of a year. Uh, I, I, and, 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 and and Trista Jari, the goaltender, has had has been very good. So I, I I like I like what Pittsburgh and where Pittsburgh sits in all of this. Yeah, I mean they they have steadfastly kept the the core group together. Um, they don't have any more many more years, if any. I I no. kind of thought their past due date was already had already arrived, but clearly it has not. Yeah, and they can be physical, and they have oodles of playoff experience Brains. they know how to win they're i smart they're smart i would not bet against them i'm with you uh we must go uh we'll come back tomorrow with something else for john shannon bob mccowan goodbye everybody Goodbye.